0: We are not two. We are three. We are joined by, uh, I see a Tom Rainey in this chat. Thomas Rainey, who we're we going to refer to him as Tom uh,
1: because we have two Thomases here. That's correct. Tom, you want to be called Tomas. I want to be
2: called Tomasina, Tomasina. like the cat. I'm good with Tom, and I can refer to you as Tomasina if you like. Sorry, that's a (laughs) motorcycle.
0: That's me on the podcast. Sharing a song with something to say about it with thinly and Niagara Moon
2: losing my opinion. I
0: forgot you live right next to the road.
2: Like you don't have a wall or anything, right? I there's no wall. Uh, it's Pure road, it's it's like Mad Max out here. I mean, that's
1: like all of New York City is like not having walls, right? That's right. What it's like. We build bridges, not walls here. <laughs> uh, so this is the, well, you got mad at me the other time because I didn't introduce the podcast. Yes. And now we've, we've, I guess we've started, we haven't introduced the podcast, nor have we introduced the third voice. I did. I said, Tom Rainey, he's
0: a guy we know or you know or something. Great um, introduction. This is losing my opinion. We're going to talk about music. Uh, we're going to show a song and we have something to say about it. The other people don't know what to expect. Uh, we are joined today by somebody I've never met before. Never mind, Do I know what they're going to say? So this is today's full of surprises. Uh, and we should say based on our last guest,
1: uh, Nate, if you've, if you've listened to that episode, you bastard. Uh, we do not endorse whatever it is that Tom is about to say, but we are excited to hear it. Uh, I've known Tom for many years. Uh, he is a comedy writer. He's written for Vulture, he's written for uh Funny or Die. Uh, he's got some screenplays he's working on. Uh he's also one of the finest human beings I know. So I'm really excited he is to see. fine, you know, isn't he? He's in every way that you can think of. <laughs> so I am excited to to hear what he has to present to us today. Um but Thomas is going to go first. That's so right. We can really get into the flow kick things off can i actually can i say one thing before we get rolling so i know we did that the gym podcast last week and um thank you all for listening to that uh i I, there's something that i heard there uh this week that i almost i'm I'm, i was thinking about whether or not i should bring it in but they really got into hair metal like within the past week a ton of hair metal and they played that song Uh, Something to believe in, I think it's called by Poison. Do you know that song? Poison. No, I don't know that song. I'm sure I'd recognize if I heard it. It's (laughs) like that. Does that sound familiar? Uh, It. No, but it sounds horrible. It's a big old power ballad. So that was the first song they played when I went in today. I was like, that's kind of weird. And then the whole day, the whole time I was there, it was just all hair metal power ballads. Like not even hair metal, like (sighs) aggressive songs. It was so strange uh but i guess i'm glad that i heard it today and not before we did the did they play you Give love a bad name no but i wouldn't call that a power ballad okay uh but it it is i guess hair metal because you know bon jovi would you call him hair metal i don't want to get murdered by new jersey residents i don't want to think about bon jovi (laughs) okay should we do a hair metal episode at some point or is it just too like knock yourself out (laughs) (laughs) it might be punching down too much but anyway all right, I'll let go of the mic now, Thomas.
0: Yes, please. Hello, folks. I'm starting off today, which always gives me kind of a weird feeling. But you know what? That could also be uh, my cold kicking in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, folks, if you're just joining us, you may not know this. Tom, you may not know this, or maybe you do if you've heard enough episodes. But Matt certainly knows. I am a big fan of Japanese music. Mm-hmm. Oh said it a few times before. I'll say it again today. I used to live in Japan. I, I lived and worked and studied in uh, Kyoto for a few years. I had a band out there called Otarehan. I was living the life, uh, soaking up the culture and the language. It was a very fun, uh, interesting period of time for me. And uh, part of this time, I worked as a bartender at a local music venue that I really liked. And uh, as I was telling Matt when we talked about uh, Tots and uh, Poseidon Nishikawa. You know, I would be closing up the bar, and I would always kind of hope for an, an earlier close because, you know, it's Japan. You don't get tips. Like, it doesn't matter how much booze we saw. I'm not making any more money. I just want to go home. I get tired. Uh, you know, Poseidon Ishikawa might come in at 1030, and I roll my eyes. But, you know, it never really was that bad. But uh, I'm talking today about some Japanese artists where if I saw them come in at the height of their powers— I'd go. Oh no! I'm going to be here till seven in the morning. I might have to call the cops. I might get my head bashed in. Trouble is a Bruin. I'm talking today about let's see. What should I call this? the The Wild Men. The Bad, the bad boys. boys. The
1: Bad Boys. I was going to say the Bad Boys. The Bad Boys, <laughs>
0: boys of specifically eighties Japan. Wow. We're going back to the eighties for this one.
1: I don't even know the Good Boys,
0: so yeah. uh, this will be enlightening. <laughs> I'm talking about the bad boys of 80s Japanese pop. It, it uh, gets pretty kooky around this time. I don't know if uh, either of you know your geopolitics history, but when you think of Japan in the 80s, you might think of their meteoric rise into like the number two place in the world economy. Their like real estate value for Tokyo specifically was like the highest in the world. Everything was crazy expensive, this crazy bubble. Everybody's flush with cash. You know, they're losing their minds uh, in, kind of in the same way you see with the uh, the boomers in this country. You know, drugs, just bombastic overconfidence, right? Isn't that kind of what you think of with the 80s sometimes? So is there a mirroring effect then? If we're thinking about 80s American
1: music, bloated, glossy, yeah. synthy, shit.
0: Yeah, no, you, they largely followed those trends. But I think it's, it, was it America setting those trends or was it the time? And then you see Japan's version of it or Americans' version of it. Um, either way, there's no crazier bombastic period of pop- popular culture in Japanese history, recent Japanese history, I think, than the 80s. It certainly gets talked about over there plenty. Uh, what a weird time that was. So of course, if you look at the artists of the day, you get some particular characters. And uh, I want to talk about three of those characters today, the, some of the bad boys. This is not necessarily my favorite music from that era, although some of these artists I do quite enjoy quite a lot but uh it's mainly that's that's the theme I want to go on today. We're going to get a little out of control. You're going to see what out of control looks like uh on the other side of the globe.
1: It's already getting out of control in
2: here. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've been I've been to Kyoto before. Oh yeah. I have and tell I Tell me I, tell me about your Japan experiences. I was I was there uh for I was working with some international students. I started my trip in Tokyo sure. and then went to Osaka and did a Night over in Kyoto, so like was a forty-five minute train north of Osaka, and yeah, it was. It's a wonderful place that I wish to go back to. I I didn't get a chance to dive into the culture though so much as uh, I was working. But that is the culture. What are you talking about? Right. So yeah, maybe I was really living up a true, Uh true Japanese form then. Yeah, it was. It was great. (sighs) Yep, they work hard and they play hard. You best believe it. Yeah, my version of playing hard was going back to my hotel room and sleeping, and then going to work the next mm. day. So, but I I did see like people sleeping on the subways late oh, at yeah. night after definitely <laughs> having seven too many um, mm-hmm. and having a great time. Yep.
0: So yeah, I think you you might be able to key into the vibe I'm bringing today, um, Matt. You've never been to Asia, is that correct, Mister Thimbley? Is not. That's correct. That no, world traveled.
1: Not. No. But Thin, thin Lear, Lear has, has but Thin there has, not. but Matt hasn't. No, I've I've been to any places I've toured have always been like Europe.
0: So yeah, yeah. oh, Fancy Man touring in Europe. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're gonna kick things off here. We're talking about a uh, a legend, although I would say more so as like a, a figure in popular culture more than you know, or like an idol more so than the quality of his music. I'm not a huge fan of this guy, but. He uh, he gets around. He's he's worth talking about. We're gonna begin with um, Yutaka Ozaki. This man's uh, to me. He's kind of like the James Dean of the '80s. He he died young. He left a good-looking corpse, uh, and he was just kind of a wreck. And his music and his image and his, his message was was about kind of young rebellion, and asking is this all that is out there? Are we you know as a society is this really right? Is this correct? you know, kind of, you know, fighting for individualism and, you know, justice and definitely a message that was at odds with the uh, conservative culture over there. You might think that his sound resembles uh, one of our own Western artists. I'll see if you, uh, if you have anybody in mind while we're listening to a song of his. See if he reminds you of anybody in particular. I see him. He's got, <laughs> got a tight t-shirt on uh-huh. uh, and equally tight jeans. Yep. So I think we're in, we're in good shape here. Yutaka Ozaki, his rise to fame was early on in his life. It was meteoric. Uh, He really made a big cultural impact. And then he died at the age of 26. Uh, He was found like in an alley, naked, drunk, and unconscious in the middle of the night. Oh, my God. uh, You know, after a bender or whatever. Um, Something gnarly, liquid in your lungs or something. But the guy, uh, tragically, was just too much of a party animal which that might come off in this performance. We're gonna, we're going to watch a live performance. This is not okay. the studio recording. We're going to see him in action on stage. So this is Yutaka Ozaki with the song Freeze Moon. <laughs> Sax remind you of anybody? Yeah, this is a
1: real. uh, Sounds like a a real (laughs) scene. Screaming his balls off.
2: I feel like he's gonna be pulling Courtney Cox out of the stands at any moment. Yeah, she's gonna come up on stage. He's working out. That's for sure. He is. I think like he's going to turn around and have the Japanese flag in the
0: back
1: of his road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, right. don't lo- I didn't love that. No, I don't experience. love it either. He's got great, great stage presence. But oh, I, yeah. I can't say that the song uh, hit me in my sweet spot. No.
0: Yeah, no, I said we'd start off, you know, kind of on the lighter side here. He's, uh, he's more interesting to me as a popular figure than um, as a recording artist. But, you know, there you go. Bruce
2: Springsteen of the East. I loved it. <laughs> You're all pumped to listen to the whole album. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't love Springsteen. He just never clicked yeah. with me. So I kind of, but I think this is fun in the sense that he's clearly doing Springsteen. So I'm more intrigued by him. Doing oh, that, man. then the music is well, hold on. Hold on a second. Who came first, Springsteen? Or
1: Springsteen.
0: <laughs> okay, I need to check. By a I few years. This this was like eighty
1: seven ish. I think. Oh well, Springsteen was around. from... <laughs> was his first album, like seventies? Yeah. Yeah.
2: They were actually roommates in college, and That's they both true, started the yeah. same exact time. Springsteen. He was an
1: exchange
0: student for a while in Japan.
1: <laughs> People don't know that about
0: him. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're starting off. You know, middling. It's it's going to get a little better from here. We're going to move on. To the next party animal, the next guy that, or rather, group of guys that if I saw them come into Negapolji as I'm trying to close at 11 o'clock at night, I'd be like, oh, fuck. Uh, we're going to talk about a band, an awesome band called The Blue Hearts. Cool name. They're essentially punk rock, you know, kind of in the vein of uh, Ramones, Sex Pistols, Clash. Without hyperbole, I would say they're. Debut album, which is also called the Blue Hearts, is the best punk album I've ever heard. Now I haven't heard very many, so let's take that with a grain of salt. I don't know much about punk; I'm not super uh, versed in the genre. But like the the album kicks ass so much. Wow! It's just flawless pop poppy punk, tight songwriting, amazing energy, just balls to the walls the whole way through. And I can't wait to show you some. Now you were talking about music to play at the gym. Yeah. Look no further than uh than Blue Hearts. They're going to They they give you a heart attack though. Maybe you want to abstain.
1: I think uh I it, yeah, Powerhouse Jim and Mawa probably uh, will play them at some point, I
0: imagine. <laughs> the level of diverse taste there. Uh Tom, how are you with uh with punk? It sounded like you were a Green Day fan back in the day.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, the the most known version of punk that there is. Um, yeah, I I mean I do like punk music, but I my uh, my knowledge of it is very elementary. Okay. So when you're, you know, you're you're throwing out the clash or you pop, I'm like, yes, I I love them. Uh, don't ask me anything follow up questions about them. Seemsies. It doesn't sound like Thomas would be able to ask you follow up
1: questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'd be
2: like, oh, great. So this means right yeah. on the same level. Yeah, we're we're perfect then for for friends then because we don't need to challenge each other in any way. We can just enjoy things at surface Aww. level. Um, That's how America when you should play be. This, I, hell yeah. Um, anyway, back to Japanese <laughs> punk music. <laughs> I'm hoping that you play this and this is like a, just like the previous artist being a carbon copy of Bruce Springsteen. I really hope this guy is just like Iggy Pop, like <laughs> one-to-one. No,
0: the Blue Hearts, they're legit. Like, uh, you talk, I'm like, meh, but Blue Hearts, they're legitimately a great original poppy punk band. Like, they have great songs and it's not just one album either. They had like a pretty good run for a few years in the late 80s into the early 90s. And then like several of the core members went on to do like like two other bands together and they're still like active to this day. You know, so they've aged fairly gracefully, but back in their day they were pretty wild. Um my old uh, roommate Shinsuke, who is very much a music nerd in the way we are, um he he was a fan of the Blue Hearts and he's showing me like footage of their performances from the 80s and he's like they were definitely on speed for this like <laughs> like the way they're singing these lyrics fucked <laughs> up. so that that's kind of the energy we're gonna hear today this is from the blue hearts first album this is called endless song yuta. and uh there's some like swear words in this that got them like in big trouble with like whatever's japan japanese version of the fcc they have over there um you know starting starting shit from the beginning getting themselves wrapped up in controversy but uh
2: fed right into their personas mm-hmm.
0: you're going to see uh see them in action here they're pretty badass This singer looks a little dangerous to me. That guitar player's got some serious bangs. It's like, this is what I want the Ramones to be. Not that they're bad, but it's like, this just takes it a step further.
2: Have either of you watched Freaks and Geeks? Yes. So, yeah, there's this part where James Franco is trying to, like, become a punk, essentially, and he knows he's a poser, but he's... Ripping his shirt And he's like He's really like Dressing apart And I feel like That would be me Because I would want To go here And enjoy this As much as everyone else is And I would just Tear up all my shirts And <laughs> go and just like Rock out as hard as I could And know that I didn't belong Because I was a poser But I would have A hell of a good time doing it. You would have
0: Everybody's attention Because he'd be the only White guy for miles Also
2: Right <laughs> With his shirt off
0: <laughs> Oh yeah That's not cool over there too Like like it is in America. You're not just supposed to take your shirt off in public. Yes, it's very cool. And everybody yeah, loves it here. Like, that's a statement if you do that. People stay away from you.
2: This guy's going to punch somebody in the face. Like, look at his body language. He is waving back and forth like a boxer who's like, I have one punch in me before I get knocked out. All right, so you get you the get sense there. It's kicking ass. That's
0: a good vibe. It's catchy as hell. That song's been in my head all week. It's really fun.
1: It has a feel of like... uh um like Janie Jones, like those those early early clash songs, like on the first clash record, like that kind of like jumble, like rumbling sound. Mm. Uh, I'm not hearing I know you sort of preface this episode with this, like, you know, the eighties being the eighties there being this overblown. Oh, kind we'll, of get, thing. There. And, uh, so we'll get there. Uh so far we've done like a Springsteen homage <laughs> and now uh a fairly elemental punk sound. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Well, it's it's not always sonically overblown, but it's like, uh, you know, it's it's this feeling from all these artists and of the time of like, we're fucking it, like we're taking over the world, you know, I, I feel like that current runs through still. It Everything was, has been over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Over the top. Now, this last artist, this is my personal favorite. I would describe him as the prince of Japan, as in... Uh, The Fresh
1: Prince of Japan.
0: No, 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 no. Not Will Smith. Uh, What's his face from old Minneapolis there? Purple Rain.
1: Oh. That's that's Prince. Oh, Oh, like the Prince prince of Japan, not not (laughs) the Prince of Japan. Okay.
0: This guy's got killer (laughs) dance moves. He's got killer hair. He writes good songs. He's funky. He's a weird singer. Um, He's my man. We're talking about Yasuyuki Okamura for this last uh, part here. Yasuyuki Okamura was really big in the 80s, so we're talking same time period here. I'm going to show you one of his big hits. Um, he's still around to this day. He's still active. Uh, he got sober like about 10 years ago, but before that he was a bit of a character. Um, he's maybe the only person we're talking about today who actually did jail time uh, for possession. Okay. He liked, the man liked his stimulants, um, and he was a maniac back in the day. If you see, like, interviews with him, like, or one music video, he's, like, gotten really kind of chubby, and the next, it's he's lost a bunch of weight, like Chandler and Friends. Like, it's just up, down, up, down. <laughs> and, like, I'd watch videos of him with my friends, and they're like, why is he talking like that? He sounds so weird. But he's, I say this all knowing that uh, he turned things around. He's still releasing weird, cool pop music to this day. And uh, certainly, back in his, his uh, glory days, he was a legend. Um, and we're going to listen to a song of his I quite like called Daisuke, which means I love you. And this is like lyrically the most straightforward of uh, any song we're looking at today. It's the, the chorus is something to the effect of like, I love you more than the beautiful blue ocean, uh, more than red wine and that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's keeping it simple. A child could understand a it. A Japanese child. A Japanese child could understand it, exactly.
2: And he sounds like he's not as... Uh, Overtly sexual as as Prince, he's more of like a Prince for ch- children. Prince for Japan. children,
0: I like that. Yeah, because uh, um, this is strictly visual, but you can check out the uh, one of his. did Prince covers didn't here.
1: he make a Kids Bop album? Did he? Yeah, I he think it the end of his life. Really, a uh, Kids Bop? That'd yeah. be cool. Like how he did like the Batman album. <laughs> yeah, that was the Kids Bop album. Uh, <laughs> it was Bat Dance. Whoa! This is one of his covers. It's oh, yeah. fun psychedelic. I have no idea what his music's going to sound like on that cover.
2: <laughs> this also feels like what Father John Misty is trying to do <laughs> on all his album covers. <laughs> yeah. um, which I know is very helpful for the yeah. listener today. <laughs> do your own
0: Google search. It's always good to talk about visual things on a podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> one thing we know. We're going to listen to Daisuke by Yasu Kiyokamura. Good all right, stuff. links in the chat. Let me know when you're both in. Uh, this guy is into Shapes. Yeah, no, it's a very 80s video. Oh, um, Geometric. And really, don't judge his dancing ability on this particular video because he doesn't show it off. It's, it's a little more avant-garde. Uh, the man does have moves, but this, okay. I, I picked this one for the uh, musical content. Um, so you said Prince, so is he like, you know, a, a sex symbol there? Or? I Back in his day, he had a glorious mane of hair. I mean, okay. again, this is visual. You got to look it up for yourself, but the man was a catch. Okay. Um, and a maniac. Uh, his way of singing, I don't know if you'll, I mean, if you don't know Japanese, it's hard to pick it up, but like he'll pronounce certain things like he's intentionally pronouncing Japanese weirdly as if he was American. Other times it sounds like he's in, intentionally sounding a little bit out of key. He just, his mm. voice is very goofy and fun to me. But uh, we're going to listen to Daisuke, and I'm going to start it from the middle because I really want you to hear this chorus too. But here we go.
2: This does look like the eighties. he laid has got some moves. I do not like this, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I will say Thomas, I, I wanted to be rooting for oh, no. you and like this, but I just, you know, maybe the prince, cell. I'm not I, I'm not getting sex vibes from this guy. Why <laughs> is it the child's voice rooting it for
1: you? Oh, you're not getting sexual vibes from this video where he stepped out of a triangle? <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, here we go. No, no, it's my favorite part coming no, up. Uh,
2: it's just gibberish. He's he doing some great acting. No, no, <laughs> oh, Hep-a-taya. <laughs> Hep-a-taya.
0: That's gibberish. That doesn't mean anything in Get Japanese. It. All right. Uh, yeah.
2: He does look like a guy who would be on a sitcom. <laughs> you know, in it's the 80s it's funny 90s. you said sitcom because that
1: sounded like uh like the Family Matters theme or something like uh, that. We all are haters. That really doesn't it have that kind of vibe sure. to it. That was my least favorite of the three. <sighs> I think I like nah. the the punk band the
0: best. Oh, that I was, knew you'd like them the best. Sure yeah, they, that was yeah, my They're favorite they're as well. unquestionable. They kick ass. Fun.
1: Even the first dude. Um, you know, it was definitely like a, a Springsteenian thing, but Yeah, uh, Springsteen's
0: old roommate. He was <laughs> yeah, his roommate. <laughs> right. Yeah, the time he spent there. But
1: yeah, it was good energy on that one. But this one it's just it's too it's too <sighs> Family matters. Yep. Theme but, uh, for
2: me. Yeah, yeah, I feel similarly. I, I, I but I, I did love the Bruce Springsteen guy as well. That was very all fun. Right, and The right. punk was great, but I was, I was really rooting <laughs> for you. On, it. I was going, I was like, oh, he's going to be three for three today. This is yeah. awesome. And uh, well, two
0: for three, is still pretty good. Hater's going to hate. I mean, in his defense, his best song is one called Kalua Milk. Figure it'd be about booze. Um, mm. It's a song that I used to cover when I would do like uh, little performances around Kyoto. Sometimes I'd play it on the piano, and that is like. I'll defend that song. That is a legit, like, weird, fun uh, jam. But uh, this one has the uh, the better video.
2: Sure. And this was the music he was putting out at the height of his drug issues? Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, before it got out of control. But, like, in the his big hit, Kahlua Milk, like, one of the lyrics is, you know, these days it's about trying to make up with, a you know, an old girlfriend. But part of the lyrics mm. is, like, these days, you know, I'm out partying till 8 or 9 in the morning. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Wow, that's a lifestyle. <laughs> that's
2: like, yeah, that's he just
0: like throws it off casually, you know. I'll I'll play video games. I'll be drinking <laughs> until I'm an absolute fish. Yeah,
2: because this this video end song sounded and looked like something that would have been his first release after going through rehab and coming out squeaky clean. That song sounded '80s to me.
1: Out of out of the three, that's an yeah. '80s.
0: Oh yeah, sound. That's an '80s hit. Yeah, um, definitely. All right, well, that's it for the bad boys. Speaking of the '80s.
1: Uh, our guest today was born in the 80s, so... Oh, shit. That's a good segue. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful segue. Wow.
2: <laughs> and he's here to talk to us. I think Beautiful. he's here to talk to us about the 80s, right? Or am I wrong? Is that correct? I, I No, no, you're, you are right in the sense that a big portion of what I will be talking about today was made very, very popular in the 80s. I will be focusing closer to the 90s, early aughts section of this, and instead of me... Listen, I've listened to the pod a lot. I I love what you guys bring to the table. I love, I can't eloquently say what I'm trying to convey today. So instead of doing it myself, I'm going to let the music introduce itself, much like it does introduce itself in real life, Ah. which is fully out of context and to the surprise of the audience.
0: If you smell what the rock is cooking.
2: Ah. <laughs> this is striking a chord, wow, I can't believe, I don't think this song has ever been played without any reaction <laughs> whatsoever This is just, when you think you smell weed meme
0: after think you smell weed meme over and over, every face he makes is, is that vibe Oh, there's something over there. So, yes,
2: today I will be I'll, I'll be talking about specifically wrestling entrance theme music and I will be advocating for it. And I'll I'll get to why I will be advocating for it in a minute. But before I do, I want to toss it over to you guys. What's your experience with wrestling? What's your experience with wrestling music if any? I'm going to guess that Thomas had no interest as a child in these
1: in such trivial <laughs> plebeian I, matters. Hey, 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 I didn't have cable. Right. Oh, you didn't have cable.
0: How am I going to watch wrestling without cable? And I'm a little kid. I can't mm-hmm. convince my parents to shell out hundred bucks. But would bucks. you
1: have even been interested in it? No. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so uh, I will say I was a huge wrestling. Bunch of sweaty, muscly men. That's man. what I knew he would say, something like that. So I, uh, <laughs> I was such a wrestling fan uh, that in middle school, I wore uh, an Undertaker t-shirt to my class photo, which my mother still is upset at me about and brings up fairly quickly.
2: I have this right off camera, which I'll just pull up briefly. It's a D generation X Jersey. And I made my mom buy this for me when I was 12 and I didn't even get it. The back, the number is 69. What what did our
1: parents think of
2: this? Like, Oh, like he has to be into this. They must have thought. I mean, actually, you know, funny enough, talking about the 80s and, the, you know, the, the boom in terms of how, you know, economically everyone was doing. They probably were like, damn, we worked our asses off. We got to college. We bought a house. We set our kids up for success. And now they're buying 69 jerseys and yeah, pissing it all yeah, away. Yeah, really, we
1: really blew it. My dad took me to a, an event once at Madison Square Garden. And it was so, it was so foul. This was like the height of like, not peace, not PG wrestling, uh, that I actually, I had to keep going to the bathroom because I was so embarrassed sitting there with him (laughs) with all this, just like hyper insane sexual stuff that they were doing. And I would just like hide in there and then like come back and then hide again.
2: Why is it sexual? You know, well, you have to look at the figurehead of this whole company, which is the bastard Vince McMahon. And all, I mean, if anyone has been following any recent stories about him in terms of having to step down because of all of these, you know, all these, mo- all the money that he was paying to women to, like, keep them quiet for, like, horrible things he did to them, to their, their careers, to them. I mean, it's, he, he was the one who was driving all of this. And Matt, I'm assuming based on, the content you were talking about you went in like the late 90s? it was like a
1: late 90s thing and it was like there was a character <laughs> yeah. his name was uh thomas the guy's name was val venus what do you think this guy's oh. persona revolved around so when i say that it was <laughs> sexual it, it was like there was no wrestling it was
0: just like them like talking about uh really they didn't even get out the chairs or anything every so huh? often but it was more val venus were they a little bit eff- effeminate no uh, actually, quite the opposite. Like, uh, Women are from Venus? No, I think you're overthinking it.
1: Uh, it's <laughs> okay. more, you know, Venus is a stand-in for a different word.
2: Okay. And it's mainly is what he talked about. Okay. Did, Matt, didn't you say your dad, had like, when he came down to oh, the Oh, so, like, so I walked away. So I sorry, left was this because guy? this
1: guy was talking about his <laughs> junk for, like, 15 minutes. And I was like, I can't sit here with my dad. I was like, in my teens, minutes. I can't do this. And then I come back, and there's, like, an awkward silence. And my dad turns to me. He goes... What's this guy's name? Huge Penis?
0: <laughs> so uh, it backfired. That's a great wrestler name. <laughs> yeah. It
2: is. Well, he basically, this basically was his whole persona. But listen, we don't want to get into the weeds <laughs> right. about Val. This is Venus about the music. Whether or not he had a huge <laughs> penis. This is about the music. And I, okay, so I'm going to say this having listened to the show a bunch and hear, heard what you all have talked about in terms of what the fans, the listeners react to, I know that they react to. Music that you guys Mm. shit on, essentially. So when I was invited to be on the show, I was, you know, thinking, okay, what should I cover that will definitely we can just shit on and make fun of? And I'm like, okay, easy Mm. wrestling music. So I started going down the deep dive. I I grew up uh, a lifelong wrestling fan as as a kid. And I was looking at the YouTube comments, the Reddit boards, my own reflection of which songs I liked or which would be fun to bring to the to the table. And something happened. I wanted to come and shit on it but i'm not, i'm not going to be able to do that today. It's too good. My well, it's not that the, i can say this. It's going to be i'm almost going to be like m m 8 mile. I'm going to show you why it's all bad, but my goal and this is my opinion, it's more of a challenge. It's to challenge you to find the artistic integrity mm-hmm. in wrestling mm-hmm. music. So, i'm not going to sit here and say this is beautiful music. It's not even really barely music to begin with. Just gr- grunting and <laughs> fart sounds.
0: I kind of like the first thing we heard. I was already kind of on board for that, the rocks theme. That's great,
2: because that's not even a song that I thought was worth <laughs> discussing. I just thought it was...
0: <laughs> you know, let's say you need a jam was... to get
2: you hyped up. It's all about uh, yeah. the beat, you know? It's about the yeah. pop.
1: So, okay, all right. So this is there's like a judgment criteria to this, which is, is it getting me hyped to see a man... That is oh, he's
0: back with the criteria
1: <laughs> representative of the music I'm hearing between one to ten. <laughs> so that's one. what's what's two? Does it make me want to get body slammed?
2: <laughs> I'll say this. You can set whichever criteria you want. You can shit all over this music, but i'm gonna I'm gonna wait till a, a little bit further down the mm-hmm. road to talk about why I think there's a lot of value in all this right. from an artist standpoint. So, Without further ado, I'm just going to, you know, you all know my theory. I think there's artistic value in it. And with that, please play the second clip. Okay, so join me in
1: the first link. I will say we just had this conversation about this character Valvinus. Uh we open this first link. This is not Val Venus. It's someone else, a different Billy character. Gunn. Uh pointing to his I guess he's gesturing towards his junk and there's like a there's there's a pair of lips.
2: Uh, it's a pair of lips on, on his, his junk. So uh... I just want to remind everyone: the point of what I'm trying to do right now is to show you why this is good. Okay. So everything you're saying, very much not helping, yeah. but I do. Now we, we got to get it. It. Okay. into the music
0: here. How,
1: how can we judge otherwise? Here we go. This is uh, the song is called uh, "Ass Man."
0: Oh boy. I'm an ass man.
2: Yeah, I'm an
0: ass man. Oh, I'm yeah. on board. Yeah. This
1: is Bob Seger, right? It may as well be. This Is it
2: Bob Seger? This Butt Seger. Alright, so, listen, there's a lot to discuss here already. The lyrics are amazing. Is this a Tinder bio? May <laughs> well be. He loves to pick them? <laughs> <laughs> it's very confusing, I mean... This is a banger. This is amazing. Just
0: switch the lyrics if you need to, but, like, this rocks.
2: This is everything I. I can't. Believe, I don't even have to make an argument. This is amazing. I can't believe this is where we're at. Is that you're enjoying this? This would be great. old music. So, houses, so little time. <laughs> so little time. I hear where he's going with that.
0: <laughs> is this the wrestler themselves singing? It seems like it, it might be him so singing. He's it. It. got a good voice. Yeah.
1: So, so the. I guess one thing that I. I do know this song, Tom. You know I know this song.
2: Yes, I know you know this. Uh,
1: And something that has always troubled me about it is, like, what does he want to do
0: with asses?
1: Because he says, at one point, he's like, I love to, like, kiss him or whatever. And then he's like, I love to kick him. So it's like, what is... Hey, some asses he
0: love, others you got to kick to get the person in line.
2: Well, I think that's what... He's not just singling in
0: on, like, you know, women or, like, in a sexual context. It's... No. Some asses you the kick, The asses, you know, it's it's a,
2: The the concept of an ass. It's a spectrum. So the what, what you're doing is helping me out so much, the two of you, because you're walking me right down the path I was hoping we'd, we would go to and what makes a great wrestling theme. Basically, for him, his name is Mr. Ass. It doesn't have anything to do with kicking them or loving them or hating them. His whole thing... Is that He just loves asses in every form. So basically, what makes a great wrestling theme, my first intro in Exhibit A in this case, is that you the, the person who wrote this, and I'll get to that in a moment, the person who wrote this just was basically handed a card by Vince McMahon and said, this new wrestler, he loves asses. Write about what you know. They make him feel
1: every spectrum of emotion, <laughs> and you'll just go through
2: every I corner of the human brain. I can acknowledge how ridiculous this is, and I can't even like articulate it because it's so stupid and funny. But the person who was charged with writing this basically was told, "Yeah, this guy loves asses," and he went out and he wrote out a banger about a guy who loves asses, and he did it by also getting an awesome hook right in the beginning of just yelling, "I'm an ass man" twice. It's a great hook, <laughs> but it works, and it's know? sort of
1: his. Uh, yeah, it's his whole persona. It's his. Right. It's his. It's his rally and cry. Uh, <laughs> is, yeah. Something you brought up that's interesting is like they ha- they do have to write the music for these guys before the persona is really like lived in and developed,
0: right? Oh, uh, like, is- it's like does the persona adapt to the music or vice versa? That's an interesting
2: question. So the per- all right, so uh, we're jumping ahead in my argument, but I'll just intro it right now. There is a guy formerly with WWE who wrote basically every single wrestling entrance <laughs> song. I know this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coolest guy in the world. Um, the late '80s, '90s into the—I mean, he was there 30 plus years. He's—he has 10,000 plus pieces of music attributed to his name, all wrestling-related. And yeah, he wrote songs like the "Badass Billy Gunn" intro, all the way through. Matt, you mentioned the Undertaker, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels. I mean, for thirty plus years, he was the go-to guy. He was so cranking it out, and he was real diverse
1: too. They'd be like, "All right, this guy, uh, you got to write a song about duties into lizards. Go!
2: It's got to be three and a half minutes." So he was quote he was in a he had an interview or he was interviewed a couple of years ago and he the writing process for him sounded like a hellish fever dream <laughs> because it was all coming down from Vince McMahon. Uh, so like I said before, Vince Vince, it's Vince, too, Vince it's McMahon still two hours. <laughs> yes, exactly. He, you know, I don't wanna like get us in any like legal trouble, but the alleged steroid abuse of Vince McMahon, I can't you know, I have to assume oh, influence the way You're kidding me. Oh, I mean just you me yeah exactly okay I wasn't sure if you've seen shirtless pictures of him in the late 90s but take a look at that he's like a 60 year old man who's buffer than any uh, of the wrestlers on the roster do you
1: think that was in the notes for each of the songs where it was like this
2: is a guy he's into lizards and he's on steroids uh, this is so a guy he, he's into asses and he's on steroids, he's on steroids. <laughs> so the way that Jim Johnson described the writing process would be Vince McMahon would storm into his office basically on an any given day smash and say, his head against the wall <laughs> <laughs> basically even like think of the undertaker like he his character is so loose he's a dead man who is living and wrestling but he's he's dead oh so, this is easy chorus goes dead man walking oh shit that did you do you know That's this just off you joking? The top. I, is that what anyway it is, is? No. That, so he, he does i just wrote a jim undertaker. johnson song Thomas, I you just blew my (laughs) mind. There's a song that I wanted to work into this so bad, Uh which was the Undertaker's version of Limp Bizkit's "Rollin." And the first it opens, it goes, "Dong, Dead Man Walking, keep rollin', 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 rollin'." (laughs) Oh man, Thomas, you really
1: did write it. Jesus, this is you know we're talking about the Undertaker. We're just assuming that the audience, Tom, you and I are assuming the audience knows who the Undertaker is. And um, some of them might, but uh, yeah, no. This,
2: this this is the reason he was actually on my list to go right to after Badass Belly Gun, and the reason for that being is that I want to show the spectrum of what Jim Johnson was con- like composing in his little WWE music mm. studio. So think of the song we just heard about a man who loves to flaunt asses, kick yeah. him, kiss him, pick him, and then he composes this like in the same week, you know, <laughs> presumably. All right, I'm gonna play this. I'll say right off the bat.
0: I love this song. Okay. I, don't, I almost wish we didn't start with Ass Man, though, because how are we going to beat that? You know? I, you're I not, agree. You're not going to beat Ass Man. Got a little FM synthesis in the beginning here. This actually sounds a lot shittier on headphones.
1: Yeah,
2: I guess it, it is more impactful when you're in an arena. And <laughs> <laughs> Give me reverb or something, this is great This is, is, this is, this like is really a man weak. hitting uh, one note on his keyboard. Oh shit. Oh yeah. Now it's gone though. So you have to think when the first bell hits, all the lights go out and everyone's like fucking pumped. This
0: is pretty dope actually.
2: There's 15 more seconds of this. This is like a national anthem. <laughs> How good is it? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Oh my God, this is it like, is.
1: Yeah, this is a, like a, yeah.
2: It's like the national anthem of hell. All right, play it on a Casio. It's apples to oranges,
0: <laughs> but this, you know, this this holds up against Ass Man. I still think it's great. The melody's great. The ambiance is great. Yeah, this is pretty dope.
2: I'm so happy that I, I cannot believe you both liked the first two songs. Hey, good music's good music. I don't care who commissioned it. So the thing I think is amazing, I guess Matt, you can pull it back, but the thing I think that it's amazing about this, and this is where my argument comes in, and I'm specific, I know I was saying I wanted to focus on the artistic integrity of wrestling music. I specifically wanted to highlight the artistic integrity and talent of Jim Johnson, because yeah. I mean, listen to what we're hearing. He could have easily honed it in and just did some stupid heavy metal guitar riff that he banged out in a second, but he came in with like this really cool, interesting piece. And also, you know, he challenged Vince McMahon in in a lot of regards because Vince is like a muscles dude. He just loves stupid, loud shit. And you know, Jim Johnson, he was given a card that said, "This guy's a dead man He's and a dead. weird guy." Yeah, he's dead. He's, he's a like dead man dead or something. And he's like, "All right, let me let me try and come up with something." And this is what he wrote, and I think it's like a pretty great piece of composition. Thomas, this was the era of wrestling where, like in the nineties, it was
1: like, "Oh, you're you're a garbage man." Uh, okay, now you're <laughs> like it was just so basic. There was a, there was a character. His name was Repo Man, and that was his whole persona. Hey, so he just <laughs> repossessed. There was people's
0: Macho thing. Man, which I, by the way, I'm a Randy Savage fan. Just oh. as like a pop, Macho Man's awesome figure. Yeah.
1: Macho Man is I awesome. hope we get to and his he knows song. knows what he is? He's complicated. Yeah, I don't know, I have no idea. He's like a, he's
2: a yeah,
0: three minutes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he eats like meat sticks, yeah. and he's like a king. Yes, yeah, the thing that's interesting about Macho Man, he actually verges into another area of wrestling music that we just don't have time yeah, to talk yeah. about. But it's wrestlers who use actual oh, music Macho, that, Macho, yeah, right. That there's no, a he, did. <laughs> he, that he didn't do that. <laughs> should have he used nope. pomp and circumstance uh, like the wedding uh, He used the wedding music yeah that's pretty that's pretty cool <laughs> but too. then also like diamond Dallas page used a really bad knockoff of um, smells like teen spirit where mm. they kind of cut the opening chords and then he just sells he says over the riff self high five and he keeps <laughs> repeating that so what the hell is a self high five <laughs> it doesn't make any sense Ooh. Uh, yeah the man high
0: fives by himself <laughs> <laughs> what does it sound
2: like? So and yeah, a little so, too the deep loo- there,
0: little Tom Waits. What is the sound oh, one, of one man? What, what is, is the sound of one man? <laughs> High fiving.
2: He may as well have said that, and it would have made just as much sense. All right, so yeah, so I. All right, I want to jump into the next piece because, but before we do, I just want to say one specific thing. He, this guy Jim Johnson, really viewed himself as an artist and someone that he really fucking is an artist. Uh, Jesus, are these wrestlers well, is, are artists. Is, and I
0: on that note, even I, though even oh, if this it's is, not, my I thing. see. I,
2: as you can tell, I've worked. I've already come in projecting that you both would hate this. So I've got to switch like, gears here. You arguments. don't know. Yeah, All right, we're going on the fly. True pivot. So I want you to think. Um, all right, so well, let me say this. Jim Johnson attributes one person specifically as inspiration, and I don't know if you'll be able to guess it because it doesn't really connect specifically to any of the songs he does, but the person Beethoven,
1: Jim Croce.
2: You're, you're oddly, you're funny funny enough, you're close with Beethoven oh. in the sense of like classical music composition. Has to be. He specifically cites John Williams uh, as his inspiration. I was going to say this guy could do scores. Ah, that's going me- to that Based on what I've heard so oh, far. Oh, this is great! You're you're you're, you're continuing down all this right. path. He, that he I is can't he is scoring. He's scoring some ass kicking. Here.
0: Uh,
2: <laughs> the one thing I want to say before we we play this and thinking of John Williams, he specifically cites cites the beginning of Star Wars for his inspiration for all wrestling music. Because if yeah. you think about it, you need to hook and pull the crowd in, and the opening note, and what movie. Or song does it better than the opening to Star Wars. Right. When I
0: think of how much I like Star Wars, it's ninety percent just the first few minutes with that music and those credits rolling, and then I'm like, I don't care about the story. I just want to see that first part.
1: You ready? Y'all you ready? Okay, here we go.
0: He's mm. breaking glass. <laughs>
2: So this is uh, for those of you who don't know. This is the entrance music to Stone Cold Steve Austin, and this is maybe the most iconic wrestling song ever mm. written. Fred Durst isn't going to start rapping, is he? <laughs> no, but he, he should. You can end it. This it just mm. continues. It kind of just goes exactly on like that. Like oh, oh, it's, it's, it's it. instrumental, huh? Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Most there, there's of no... these songs,
1: you know, Ass Man is an anomaly for that <laughs> era. Like there wasn't a lot of the vocals and then it became vocals. the other
2: main one is Shawn michaels the sexy boy where his whole i was gonna play it but it just we didn't have enough mm-hmm. time but yeah there's a lot of lyrics about how he's a sexy boy and i think the first lyric is i think i'm cute i know i'm sexy <laughs> which is you know good for him for knowing the, the difference sexy between part.
0: thinking <laughs> yeah, and knowing
2: yeah. uh um, great opening line so i wanted to play the stone cold one because i feel as though reddit would have destroyed me if I didn't. But I do think that connects really nicely to the John Williams inspiration because there's no more iconic opening in a wrestling theme than that glass shattering.
1: I think it's yeah, I think it's the Undertaker bell and that that glass shattering those two songs, I think, are the ones that you know you, the crowd goes nuts.
0: I'm gonna go ahead and say, as somebody who's played a handful of you know video game computer games from the early 2000s, I think this this uh, Jim Johnson guy inspired video game composers. This is mm-hmm. I see a through line here. That sounded very similar to like you know like badass run and gun kind of soundtrack for FPSs.
2: He really does, and he also. Do you all, should, everyone listening, you also check out. He did an interview. With Vice uh, in like December 2020, and it was it really talks about his inspirations, who he thinks he yeah. inspired, and
0: who does, I does mean, he think this he is gonna be.
2: So this, I was I couldn't wait to get to this. He 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 attributes some of his music to thinking he inspired a lot of the new metal that came mm-hmm. out at the end of mm-hmm. the 90s and the early. Ops. I mean, hey, and those markets uh, crossover beautifully. The Venn diagram between wrestling and music—they're right I, there. They're, you got the you got the audience right where sounds you you're. sounds like done. my life at the age of twelve. <laughs> it's a perfect circle. It, it Woodstock '99 wrestling music is a perfect circle on an event diagram, and I just want to jump right into the next one because this song specifically, he thinks. Oh, good really he he thinks that he didn't say this started new metal but this was 1997 when this came out So limp Bizkit is kind of just getting started and i think this really you'll hear it and go oh this sounds like fred right. durst is singing this. tom tom we, we we talked about this last
1: when we did the new metal episode uh and i guess we just can't escape this topic uh we were talking about how the genre really came to fruition like 96 97 so yeah like this was like this was part of that rise, wasn't it?
2: Are you ready?
0: Oh, hey, such an obnoxious does voice. What to do?
2: uh, Doesn't he kind of sound like Fred Durst a little bit? A little bit.
0: Why are we ending on this?
2: We aren't. You oh no, we're not ending. On this. Shut the fuck up, guy. <laughs> Why is he it
0: like sexy? Like what? What the hell is the matter? Is he sexy or is he just cute? That's a good question. The guitar, good riff. Here we go. It is, right? Let's have money
2: no, no, get the vocals out of here. But this is the new metal part, you know? Oh, it hurts. Any party's not singing as good. <laughs> yeah, so it just kind of goes on like this for a while now. Uh,
1: I never made this connection. I made. I never made this connection between '90s wrestling and new metal. I don't know why, but like,
2: yeah, that's right in that wheelhouse. It's right there, and you know, thinking about. What that then turned into. It also it, it like bounced back from music into wrestling because that Undertaker theme we just listened to in two thousand. So just three years later, they get rid of that and they start going out. He starts going out to Kid Rock's American oh, Badass. Fuck
0: that guy. They uh.
2: script that. They, they scrap that six months later, and then they turn it into Limp Bizkit's uh. Rollin And the Undertaker uses that for years. And they get rid of the uh. cool ass song we just listened to. And just, I mean, just like the music of the time, it really was not good and but it was still coming out in culture like relentlessly. <laughs> You're breaking my heart. That's
1: terrible. I know. I didn't know that. Ch-
2: it is sad. And I think it's indicative of like kind of what comes later, not only in wrestling, but music. Shit. And this is where I want to talk about where Jim Johnson's career goes to is that he after thirty plus years of working for the company and just giving them banger after banger and like setting the tone for like that whole era that exploded wrestling from like the late eighties through the nineties. He straight up was unceremoniously fired in 2017. He does not know yeah. why. They just didn't renew his contract. And, like, what else is more of a perfect Vince McMahon story than abusing talent over the years, whether it be through drugs, CTE, steroids, or yeah, in this case... they you know, chew, the case well, of this, chew
0: people up and spit them out. That's the exactly, And yeah. you would
2: hope that it wouldn't be the case for everybody, including staff, writers, musicians, <laughs> but they do that as well. And he was even, you know, quoted recently as saying... That he, you know, to get back to his roots and Thomas, you mentioned this film scoring. That's what he like loves. And he says that he's having such a hard time making it in Hollywood because no one will take him seriously because oh, he was with wrestling that's for 30 plus years. So if anything, I'm just here to celebrate the genius that is Jim yeah. Johnson. Mm-hmm. And the last piece that I brought is a little film score that he put up on his own oh. Apple Music page. Uh, to give you you know give us all some good feels and show that you know he still is an artist at heart even if the industry won't acknowledge that
1: is this it all right let's play it oh yeah all right here we go
0: Pretty?
2: It's pretty. I like
0: Ass Man better.
2: <laughs> I okay, so I don't disagree with you, and when I was listening to it, I could acknowledge that this is no, you know, this is no Star Wars, this is no Imperial March or anything. But to show that this is what this guy loves. It's
0: competent. Yeah. Yeah. It's it could and, be you could drop this in any number of things.
1: Uh it sounds it sounds very nineties, like nineties.
0: It for. sounds like the moment where Kevin McAllister reunites with his mom at the end, like Kevin, exactly. mom. It does. You're, oh, I don't want to ever leave you again. Like, you're so right. Emotional conclusion.
1: Yeah, there's a place. There's a place for that sound, though. Oh, there's so just many like there's places, a place for yeah.
0: uh, Ass Man and the Undertaker. And- uh, but it's kind of boring listening to it by itself. But it's yeah, it's utility music.
2: It's not the most captivating. I just think it shows that the tragic figure that he turned right. up, turned into is that he was eaten up by the system and he was just doing great work for years and years and years. And, and he, he tried he to get, back get a to
0: pension him. or nothing. No. And those guys have made billions.
2: The only thing that he didn't get was a CTE, which is like the only good thing he didn't get from the WWE. <sighs> so I guess he does have that working for him. That's true. So that's my argument. So I guess, long story short, can you both? Find the artistic yes. integrity and value in wrestling music,
0: man. You know I can. Too many ath- too many asses. You had too me. At time. I'm an ass man. You had me yeah. at too many asses. Too little time. I was I was hooked. That song is
2: ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I tried to years and years ago. I tried to. I was doing stand up in New York, and I just read the lyrics to that on stage, and then tried to like riff off of that. And after I did it for a few minutes, and I, it was my turn to, or I was finished, the host takes the mic back and he goes, that's Tom Rainey, folks. Oh, keeping it topical. Uh, <laughs> it was like 15 <laughs> years after. <laughs> oh, man, he destroyed yeah, you. That's a roast. <laughs> that's I, mean, I, got a far, done, I got a far bigger laugh than when I was oh. reading the lyrics. But oh, that's got to start somewhere. That's brutal. Mm-hmm. Consider this redemption. Yeah, you got it. You
0: showed I him. never knew
2: about Jim Thompson. <laughs> and
0: now I got a lot of respect for this guy um that undertaker that set such a great tone i can totally imagine that playing in an arena and everybody's mm-hmm. it's like a subtle build up that's the best kind
2: this is i'm so happy yeah. thank you well shoot
0: i yeah that's that's what i learned today i learned uh there's something about wrestling that i can get into i learned that there is a more than
1: tenuous connection between new metal the rise of new metal and wrestling intro, intro themes which is uh disturbing and it needs to be investigated. Um, and I also learned uh, that I didn't like the last song from
0: Tom's <laughs>
2: <laughs> What'd you learn, Tom? I learned that I shouldn't project uh, my own feelings of insecurity, that you both would hate music that I would bring Aww. to the table and uh, just go with my gut, which is that Jim Johnson's a jam, and there's some bangers in there hell yeah he's He's a talented dude i mean to just
1: like deal with that every day like some new like oh this guy he he uses a parachute
0: write a (laughs) three-minute song about it well shucks uh (laughs) lovely
2: having you on Hope to have you back some time. I love this. I I love the show. I love the everything you guys bring to the table. It's a weekly listen for me. So thank you for the hours at this point of content that you provided to me because it's been very it's enjoyable. Nice, it's Aww. nice to be thanked. Well,
0: I'm just really happy to know someone's listening to it is not yeah. our moms. So that's quite lovely. Because <laughs> uh, they keep writing bad reviews. <laughs> <laughs> If you uh, feel similarly to, uh, to Tom here, you can go ahead and subscribe to Losing My Opinion. Uh, write us a, ra- a rating. Leave us a review or something like that. Or
1: the vice versa. Uh, yeah. uh,
0: you can follow Losing My Opinion on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. And you know what? I've talked about the bad boys of 80s Japanese pop. Are they really the baddest boys? I don't know. I could be wrong now.
1: Oh wow, different direction with it. I'm assuming you said I don't, but I don't think so. In Japanese, how how do you say "so long, suckers" in Japanese?
0: (laughs) Is there a translation for that, Johnny? It's more. It's not the word. It's the attitude that you say it with.
1: So you got to put some stank on it.
0: You got to say, Johnny.
1: Okay. Well, uh, Johnny.